So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children, ages four through fifth grade, that, that announcement is incorrect. I've got this right today. Fifth grade, they're really, we're letting the kids in the fifth grade leave today because Kimmel and Lisa, who are our missionaries in Guatemala, are with us, and they're going to be doing something special with all of our kids, ages four through fifth grade. So if you're in that age range, if you're new here and you don't know where junior worship is, follow those folks going in that direction. I certainly also want to make you aware of, um, y'all don't pay attention to them, okay? I want to make you aware of a very important aspect of our worship. That is our offering that we, we present to God every Sunday. We want to give you four different ways you can present that offering. You can mail your check to our church address. You can give an automatic draft to, through your bank. That's very easy to set up. You can go online to our website. Sarah's done a great job. You click on one little link there. And uh, it says give and just follow the easy directions. Or if you're here with us in person, you can uh, put your contribution there in the uh, in basket that's on the table on the way out. Now, for those of you that aren't with us, I want to talk to you just for a minute. As, as Ted was praying for and talking about our life group ministry... One of the things that I, I met with Tony and Brenda and Ginger who helped lead this ministry and there, was a few, there were a few of our members who are not with us today because it's just not wise and healthy for them to be with us. We love you guys and we're glad you're with us live streaming but in my conversations with some of you, the, um, the word isolation, feeling, feelings of isolation is just a strong feeling you've expressed to me. And so we talked about in, our, in this ministry for our life groups, we want to start a group that is exclusively for you. And so any of you that would like to be in a Zoom, WebEx, I'm not going to call it virtual because it's not virtual, it's real. We're going to see each other and pray for each other and study together. So send, a, send an email address. What is it? Life groups. I'm looking for, for Ginger. Life groups at eastsidesprings.com. If that gets returned to you, send it to eddie at eastsidesprings.com. We want, am I right? Life groups at eastsidesprings.com. Thank you. You usually sit over there. That's really, you don't mess me up like that. You guys got your assigned seats. Um, I'm watching you back there on the back row, all right? Um, send an email to us. We want to know who wants to be in that group, and we need somebody to lead it. And, and leading, I told you last week, if you can be friendly and be caring, and if you can read just a little bit, then you're qualified to read. Now, we will help you with the technology of Zoom and, and all that, uh, or the WebEx. Now, Ted got to do this, but I just can't help but say goodbye to Jan also. Uh, goodness, she's moving to Arkansas, the enemy territory of the Razorbacks of all places. So we're just definitely going to miss you. Your family here at Eastside, you're always going to be a part of our Eastside family. And so we dear, dearly love you and, and uh, certainly are going to miss you. Let's take our Bibles and turn now to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter, oh, they did a perfect, perfect job with this. These teenagers are incredible, incredible. Um, love spending time with them on Sunday mornings. Luke chapter 10, we are, we just began a series last week in, in the gospel of Luke. And before diving into, into chapter 1, I felt like we needed one more introductory lesson where I want to do two things. I want to really share with you because I think it's significant. What is it about Luke that's so unique? There's a unique message in Luke. That's the first thing I want to do. And then I really want to share with you 
why I chose Luke. I didn't choose Luke. Well, let's do Luke. I have a reason for that. I believe Luke has a relevant and needed message for us. And so in order to set the stage for what we're going to look at this morning, I've asked Reese and Pamela who are in our, in our uh, youth group class to set the stage for this by reading the passage in Luke chapter 10. You're welcome to read along verses 25 through 28. One day... <clears throat> One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what did the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God all your, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Thank you. So... Some long time ago, a newcomer to church and a newcomer to the Christian faith came up to me after church service one Sunday, and she said to me, she said, okay, Eddie, I did what you told me to do. I started reading the New Testament, and so when I was reading the New Testament, I read the first book, and then I moved on to the second book, and she said, when I started reading the second book, I thought, oh, that's a whole lot like the first book. You know, she's a newcomer, right? She said, then after I read the second book, well, that book is a whole lot like, after I, read, after I read the second book, I moved into the third book, and when I read the third book, I thought, well, this is kind of like the same in those first two books. And then she said, I read the fourth book, and after reading the fourth book, I thought, that one's a whole lot like these first three as well. And so, I, I explained to her, and I want to explain to you, because I, I would like to think that maybe we have some newcomers to the Bible and to the Christian faith who are with us live streaming or with us in person today. I want to explain to you that when you, when you look in Scripture into the New Testament, and we would call the New Testament something like Volume 2 of the Bible. Volume 1 is the Old Testament. Volume 2 is the New Testament. Volume 1 sets the stage for Volume 2. And so when you open up Volume 2, the, the New Testament, the first four books, they all basically are telling the same story of the same person. They're telling the story of Jesus Christ. Now, we call that story of Jesus Christ good news. The Bible calls it good news because the word good news in its original language means, we call it the gospel because that word originally means in the Greek, in the original language, it means good news. And it's good news because you read it as we study together through Luke and you'll realize, wow, this is incredibly good news here in scriptures. But since all four of the books are telling the same story of the same person, you're going to be kind of like that woman who's reading through it going, there's a lot of similarities here. And it's kind of like this. I would describe it to you like this. Imagine that you're, you're at a at an intersection and there's a car accident in the middle of the four-way intersection and so there's four news reporters one at each corner they're all writing the story of the accident they see but they're all writing it from different corners and so they're all writing the story they're all seeing the same thing but they're seeing it from different angles and and also because of their unique personalities there's some things that are standing out to this one that aren't standing out to that one that aren't standing and so they're writing the things that stand out to them and they're also writing things that are from, from their unique personalities. And so when you read those four different accounts of this accident at this intersection, they're going to be very similar, but there's going to be also some differences. So that, that's something of a description 
of what you have with these four accounts of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. With the exception, you got the Holy Spirit involved, and he's guiding each of those four with a particular message that he wants him to write. Now, that illustration breaks down just a little bit because the author of our focus here in our series is Luke. And I talked, we talked last week, Luke was not an eyewitness, but he got his information from those who were eyewitnesses of this, of this incredible story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so when you read the four of them, sure, there's a lot of similarities, but in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you'll notice if you really dig into them, they each have some unique characteristics that stand out. And Luke certainly is very unique. Almost, listen to this, almost half of what, and I hope you will, will read through Luke in this series. Almost half of what you're going to read in Luke is nowhere else in the Bible. And so if, if you never read Luke, you're missing a large chunk of really important stuff about Jesus Christ and his story. There are in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 35 specific miracles in all four of them. 20 of these miracles are in Luke. And of those 20, seven or only in Luke. So don't read Luke. There's seven powerful miracles you're going to miss. There are, and it depends on how you, how you define parables, because, you know, but it, it, depending on how you define parables, there's basically 50 parables in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 35 of those parables, of those 50 parables, are in the Gospel of Luke. And 19 of those are only in Luke. So you don't read Luke. You're missing 19 parables there are 35 events no not 35 there are 30 events in the life of Jesus which Luke records and no one else mentions in the Bible and so Luke has there's a unique message there's something in Luke that's nowhere else in scripture and then you start looking at a, at his themes that are very unique I mentioned to you last week that Luke was, was a Gentile. That means, if you don't know that word, he was not a Jew. Or that would be, in our terminology, he was an unchurched kind of guy. And so you're going to see, as you read through Luke, something unique to Luke that he really focuses towards an inclusion of the Gentiles, the unchurched. And so if, if you're not an experienced, sophisticated churchgoer, Luke is for you. Now, if you are an experienced, sophisticated churchgoer, Luke also is for you. You just may not like what he has to say to you. And I think also, here's another thing that's really significant. You'll notice in Luke that you won't find in Matthew, Mark, and John that Luke devotes more attention to women than any other New Testament gospel. He has more female characters in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. As a matter of fact, there's 13 women you would never know if you didn't read Luke because they're only mentioned there in Luke. He writes of a female prophetess and as he opens the stories we're going to see and brings Jesus into the scene, into the story of the world, his primary two characters are Elizabeth and Mary. That's his focus. And I don't believe that Luke's mention of women more than um, the other gospel writers means that Luke was what, some kind of ladies' man who had an eye for the women. But I believe it's because Luke had an eye for the underdog. 
in Luke's day, sadly, women were the underdog. They were undervalued. But read Luke, and you'll see that's not the case in the eyes of Jesus. And so that's really relevant, isn't it? We got all of this stuff going on about gender discrimination. It's a hotly debated issue going back and forth. It's in our culture. As a matter of fact, it's a struggle that we have in our church. And we're going to talk about that some in a class on Wednesday night starting in, um, in, in, in November. But Luke's got something to tell us about that. Ladies, Luke is a book for you. Men, Luke is a book book for us to see how God views women in, in, our, in our world. It's also, I said, that Luke has a, has a soft spot for the underdog, for those that are not in the established church, the Jewish establishment. You're going to see in Luke, more than any other gospel, a focus on, and, and, and I think Jonathan did a, did a good job in, in mentioning this, on the, Jew, on the social outcast, on, on the rejected. He's going to talk about the oppressed. You're going to see him talking about the poor. You're going to see him talking about those that are mistreated. You're going to see him talking about children because children were undervalued. They were, they were second class. Luke's going to talk to us about foreigners. Luke is going to talk to us about minorities. Luke is going to talk to us about people on the margins. Luke is going to bring us face to face with the the issue of racial discrimination in their day. And so it's, that's, that's relevant. As we try to, as we hear all this discussion, discussion, arguing, and challenges, and difficulties, we try to grapple with what we hear, the, word, the term that's used now, the day of, of social justice, and we ask ourselves, what is that? And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what's my role in the middle of all of that? We have a lot to learn in the Gospel of Luke from the teachings and the life of Jesus about that topic. I think there's other, there are two other things that really stand out to Luke that I want you to know as we step into this series. Luke gives a lot of, a lot of special, there's a, two dominant themes in Luke, and that is the Holy Spirit and prayer. And in Luke's writings, the Holy Spirit and prayer, they, they, they basically, they go hand in hand. In both of Luke's books, it, book, 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 we know of two that, that he's written in the Bible. He has the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke speaks more of the Holy Spirit than any other Bible writer. But in tandem with his discussion about the Spirit, he has so much to say about prayer. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Luke, there's seven prayers exclusive to Luke, to his Gospel. And what you're going to find in Luke, and then you make your way into Acts, is there's a correlation between God's people praying and the power of the Holy Spirit working amazingly in the church and in the midst of God's people. And so there's something for us to learn about prayer and the Holy Spirit. And so the, the book of Luke, there's something it's clear, isn't it? There's something unique to Luke's gospel. There is a message here that God has for us that's found nowhere else in the Bible. Our goal is discovered that is. Now, I want to share with you in the, in the second part of what I want to talk to you about is why I chose for us to spend from now until April 
in, in this gospel and why I believe it to be very relevant and a very needed message for us today. And that's where the triangle, if you've been wondering, where the triangle comes in. And so Pamela and Reese did a good job reading to us, thank you, earlier. And, and they're reading this story about this, this, this uh, expert that comes to talk with Jesus. Have you, do you, do you, have you ever had a conversation with an expert who just knows everything? What a, what a delight to be in a conversation with them. They just know everything about COVID there is to know, and they're going to inform you about this. Well, there's a guy, he was an expert in the law, it says. He was, he was an expert in the Bible. He knew everything, and, and little did he know that he was getting ready to talk to the author. And so he comes up to Jesus of the Bible, author of the Bible. He comes up to Jesus, and it says to test Jesus. And really what he's doing, he's trying to trick Jesus. You know, these experts, these know-it-alls, one of the things they want you to know is they know more than you do. And so that's what he's trying to do is to catch Jesus. And uh, you're the son of God for real. You don't even know the answer to this. And so he says to Jesus an incredibly brilliant and important question every one of us should be asking. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, if you're not asking that, you ought to be. I mean, is, what, is there another question that's more important. So he asked that to Jesus to set Jesus up in a trap. But Jesus, incredibly, obviously, very wise, very smooth in his conversations. He turns it around and he, and, and he redirects the question back to this guy. And what you see happening is Jesus is actually going to test him. And help him to see something about himself. And he says, you're asking me, you're the expert, you tell me. What's written in the law? And so the man answered with these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, brilliant. You have answered correctly. And then here's, here's the convicting part. Do this and you will live. You see, it's one thing to to know the answers, to know the verses, and to sing them. But it's another thing to live them once you step outside. Oh, even to live them in here as well. And so then here's what, here's what Jesus does with that. He goes on to tell a parable. One of those parables that are unique to Luke. You might call this one of Luke's greatest hits. This is like everybody knows this. If they don't know anything else about Luke, they know the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to come back to that later. But just in general, he's just like hitting this guy straight in the forehead with two things. This guy and the other established church-going people of their day struggle with, which was racial discrimination and neglect of those in their community who were in need. Those are two big issues that they were struggling with in that day. But what Jesus didn't do, he didn't say, you want to talk about eternal life? Listen, you're a racist and you are negligent of the poor and the needy on the streets. You need to change. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus brings this guy through letting him respond back in his answer through, through bringing him to the two most foundational, I could say it like that, principles. And Jonathan, you did a great job speaking about this in your communion thoughts. It's, this, it's just this, it's real simple. He started out saying, love God with all of your being. And out of that, love your neighbor 
And so, as I told you, you know, you got those four guys in the four corners. So Matthew, the gospel writer of Matthew, he's here in this discussion too, okay? And from where he's standing, from his corner and his observation and listening to Jesus' conversation with this man, Matthew wrote these words that Jesus spoke to this man. Matthew wrote down that, that loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he says that's the first and greatest command. So get this in place. The greatest, the first and greatest command, that is to love God. That's how Matthew records what Luke also records from the eyewitnesses that gave that to him. And then Matthew goes on to write, and the second command that flows out of that command to love God, that second command is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And of these two greatest commandments, Jesus then goes on to say, as Luke records, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Basically saying, everything else in the Bible that is written, it flows out of this. Everything you need to know about how to live, how to relate with others, how to treat others, how you should behave, anything, how you should talk, how you should think, how you should live, it all comes from the greatest command to love God and out of that learning to love others. And so when I am in premarital counseling, I'm going to be marrying a couple and so... um, they come to me and we're going to talk about, about their, their marriage relationship. And so I've got, I've got the guy here and I've got the girl here. And so, so I, we, in, in, in premarital counseling, you're trying to figure out who are you, who are you, what are your gifts, what are your gifts, what are your differences, and, and what can I do? What, what are the conflicts? What are the areas of disagreement down here between the two of them? So we want to unpack all this stuff because we want to bring them together in that beautiful marriage unity. But my objective, the first thing I would take, and I'm not a, I'm not, I've written no books on this, okay, I just, but I do go to the scriptures. Is my first place I do with a couple is not to figure out what do we do about this? I believe most important is I take them to Luke 10 or this passage that Matthew also writes in and I talk to them about what's most important is getting them on a path to God, learning first and foremost to love God. Because I'm convinced of this, while we must talk about their communication skills, their conflict resolution, their financial agreements and disagreements, their sexuality and all these different things that are important to talk about, the most important thing I believe, if I can get them to do this, is pursue a path as individuals on the way to God. We see God at the top of this triangle because I'm convinced of this. As they draw nearer and closer to God in their individual relationships, it brings them nearer and closer to God as a couple. And as they draw nearer and closer to God as a couple, all these things we need to figure out. If I only had one thing to say to a couple, it would be to this because Jesus says, everything else you need to say to them, Eddie, if they can get this, they got it. This is the most important thing. And so, so that's why if, if a couple in, 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 in marital conflict, that they're having a hard time loving one another. They're having a hard time getting along. They're having a hard time agreeing with one another. Sure, I can talk about, well, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about this? My greatest concern, and I'm, I'm no professional counselor, but my greatest concern is not, what do we do about this? But what I'm really wondering is what's going on here? 
Because I'm convinced that the problems down here between a couple, if there are, is a result of one or both of these not being in a good place of growing closer and developing a deeper and closer relationship with God. It is out of a deeper and closer relationship of drawing close to Him that I learn to love my neighbor or my spouse. That's the first command, and the second flows from that. And so, I share that marriage illustration to say that that really, um, that works in any relationship. Now, let me show you what I mean by that. And I'll have to have my notes here to help me. You have here a Democrat, and you have here a Republican. You have here a person of one particular race. And you have here a person of a, a different race. You have here a man. And you have here a woman. And there's some disagreements and differences you need to work out. You got over here some people that believe Black Lives Matter is legit and we should be going along with that. We got some folks over here saying absolutely not. You got some folks over here saying, we need the critical race theory being taught in our schools. You got some folks over here saying, we don't need the critical race theory being taught in our schools. We got some folks over here that voted for Trump. And I'm going to mix it up, so I'm not going to be consistent at all, because I don't want to make you think I'm standing on one side of there. Some folks that voted for Trump here, and they're certain he won. You got some folks over here that voted for Biden, and they're certain he won. You got some folks that are pro-life. You got some folks that are pro-choice. You got some folks that believe socialism. That's it. You got some folks that believe capitalism. No, that's it. And then you got some folks that are saying, of course, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. Everybody's supposed to be wearing a mask. And you got some folks who are saying over here, masks are absolute nonsense. And then you got some folks over here saying, everybody needs to be vaccinated now. You got some folks over here, they're saying, absolutely never will I be vaccinated. And you got all that out there, and what's happening is creeping in here, is it not? And then, since we got that, and here we might as well take our church subjects and bring them into the mix too. We got some folks here who are saying, we need women doing more in church on Sunday mornings. We got some folks over here saying, we need women doing less on Sunday mornings. We got folks over here saying, we need more musical instruments in our assemblies. We got folks over here, absolutely no musical instruments. And so, so you, got, you got this. Lots of this. And you see my face. My face is my way of trying to describe what's going on down here. This trying to convince this that them right and you're not right. And this trying to convince this one that I'm right and you're not right. And there's a lot of lack of respect and condescension and criticism and mocking and all this going on which leads me to believe that this is desperately, desperately Missing. I hope you're following me. And so I'm the preacher <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, all right, we just finished, we just finished Luke. What are we gonna do next? What are we, we gonna do in our next series? So I'm thinking, 
do I, do I need to talk about this stuff or not? Maybe, maybe not. Do I just need to, to jump down in here and get in it? Do I need to get on this side and hammer that side? Or do I need to get on this side and hammer that side? There are some of you over here that are not happy with me because I'm not on your side against that side and vice versa. There's some that have left our church family because I or our leadership don't carry the banner of their side. What do you do? What do you do about this? How do we address that? Do we not? What's the solution? So the contemporary Christian singer and songwriter and I don't know if you know his name. His name is Danny Goki. He sings this song that I, didn't, I don't think I really liked it that much, but sometimes songs grow on you. It started growing on me. And um, he has the solution. In this song, I, I, to me it's a recent. It may be 10 years old. I'm behind most people in these kind of things. But he writes these words and sings them in his song. He says, we've got to, well, we got to. Would you like me to sing the song? Would you want me to sing it? Yeah, okay, let's play. No, I'm kidding. We don't have it. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> he says, we've got to keep it real simple. Those are his words, and I quote, We're living in a world that keeps breaking. This isn't working. This is just not working. We're living in a world that keeps breaking. But if we want to find the way to change it, it all comes down to this. Love God and love people. We can figure that out. So Luke, Luke basically says it in these words. It all comes down to this. Maybe instead of this seeking and pursuing and finding and following Jesus that's the mission Jesus has given us of the church the mission to make disciples of all nations finding Jesus following him as a disciple and bringing others along the path with us I am convinced I am convinced that if we talked and argued less about this, I'm not saying ignore this, but if we talked and argued less about this and talked and proclaimed more Jesus Christ, we'd solve a lot of this down here. Because watch what happens as I draw closer and deeper in my relationship with Jesus, I learn how much I am loved. And I begin loving myself, and out of that, I start loving my spouse. My, my neighbor or the person that opposes me in whatever area of disagreement. In, in this path of, of seeking and pursuing Jesus and him first and foremost in following him, I learned what it means to be kind. I may not be sorting all this out, but at least I'm learning to be kind and compassionate. And you cannot, you cannot 
follow Jesus and not become a person who cares for everyone because he does. That's, that's it. We learn how to forgive on the path of learning how we are forgiven. We find solutions to the challenges in the kingdoms of this world through proclaiming and living out the kingdom of God. We find solutions to the challenges and the conflicts in the kingdoms of our world when we live out and proclaim the kingdom of God. It is on this trajectory of drawing closer and learning to love God and know Him through following Jesus that our perspective becomes a God perspective on these issues that we wrestle with. And as we draw closer, trying to figure, how do, we, how, do we, how do we come together? It's through first and foremost. It's the greatest command. This is not rocket science. It's the greatest command. Loving God, finding Him, and drawing closer and deeper in um, a relationship with Him. And so, that's why I've chosen Luke. Because Luke calls us here to Jesus Christ that we might come to know and to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength through coming to know and to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. Luke is calling us. The Holy Spirit through Luke is calling us to Jesus. So whoever you are and wherever you are here, Luke wants you to draw you to Jesus. That's his objective. So where are you? What's going on down here with you? And how's that working for you? Seek God. Pursue him. Find Jesus. Love Jesus. That's the gospel of Luke. And one of the things Luke is going to call us to do, one of the things Luke is going to teach us to do, as I told you earlier, the seven prayers in Luke that are exclusive to Luke, he's going to teach us to pray. So when you find yourself here losing your mind, draw close to God in prayer. That's where the difference is found. Let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you for these truths. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to guess that for 95% of us, we're like that expert in law. We know that passage. We know it well. But the challenge and the struggle is to live it as it was for that fellow that Jesus was talking with. So take these passages, take, take these truths that are the overarching theme in the Bible and they are the call of this gospel in Luke that you've given to us and embed them into our hearts and let the seeds of these truths grow and bear fruit in the way that we live. So we're going to continue now in prayer. And if you are carrying a heavy burden in prayer, whatever that might be, I want to encourage you to 
to reach out to one of our shepherds that's here or maybe reach out to someone else um, that's here. We have more needs and burdens that we've brought in today than we have shepherds that can pray with you. So let's, let's, let's take this as a time to, to step out of where we are and to go hug someone and pray with them and encourage them. And those of you that are, are with us in live stream, we want, don't want you to feel left out of that. Send an, an email to elders at eastsidesprings.com or call them and let them know your prayer need. Let's go before God now in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.